0: Hello and welcome to Your Healthy Dose, a podcast brought to you by Organifi. I'm Mae Steigler, your host, and I'm joined with my co-host, Lisa Shields. Today we have on a very special guest, Katie Brower, called a powerhouse and rising leader by Forbes, former professional athlete and C-suite executive from Sydney, Australia, with a top 10 world ranking and experience leading the largest Yoga studio chain in the US from inception, currently over 160 studios. Katie Brower is a multi decade trauma trained mindfulness meditation educator a personal transformation expert and wellness entrepreneur who specializes in working with high-performing individuals, C-suite executives, pro athletes, musicians, and artists. She's the founder of The Seven Institute, an educational epicenter empowering people towards greater personal fulfillment, happiness, and a more meaningful existence through Live and online courses and programs, and the Six Plus One Experience, a transformative week long residential personal development immersion. You can learn more about this at katiebrower.com. And in today's conversation, I am so excited to share this discussion with Katie and Lisa. We dive into her experience from a professional snowboarder through trauma and into this mindfulness meditation practice that she guides um, so many individuals through. It's a fascinating conversation. I learned a ton. It's extremely juicy. Prepare to take notes and also prepare to run through a short meditation to actually kick off the discussion today. This podcast episode is really special. And I think most importantly, passing it off to Lisa Shields to uh, talk about how she came to meet Katie uh, years back. Lisa, how did that start out again?
1: I met her through Lululemon, and she was one of our very first ambassadors. And at the time, she had a studio in Del Mar. And I can remember going, my, my favorite memory of you, Katie, was going to a yoga class on a Wednesday night. And Del Mar is a very affluent neighborhood. So everyone's always pretty proper And Katie had us dancing around like the room, just acting like crazy children. And I just sat there and I watched everybody let go and be free. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. And I remember looking at like this being this goddess in front of me and being like, this woman is so powerful. And, um, I'm really, really, really looking forward to the conversation today. Cause that was over probably 10 or 11 years ago. And Katie and I haven't really had a chance to connect in quite a few years and you have been up to some really cool shit. So before we jump into the conversation, um, we always begin with a check-in question. Sure. So, if you're ready, um, may I don't know if you need to ground it all before we jump in, but we're just going to jump right in, and then we'll do our intention and all that good stuff. But the check-in question today is: What was the latest app you downloaded on your phone, and how are you liking it?
2: Hmm. Um. It's been a minute since I've downloaded one. Um. Mm-hmm.
0: That'd be a good thing. That's a good thing.
2: One that's coming to mind, which is one that I use quite a lot, especially with my kiddo. Um, It's called Yuka, Y-U-K-A. Okay. Um, and it scans food and products and gives you kind of a rating um, on their cleanliness and like where they're out of whack and Um, It's been really fun using it with my daughter because when we're in the store and she was like, mom, I want, I want this. And I'm like, give it a scan. Like, let's see what it comes up as. And then she'll be like, oh no, this is, you know, a 36 out of hundred and she just puts it back. Um, So it's been really educational and, um, maybe like six months ago, I went through my house and I scanned like every product in my house because I feel like marketing can be so sneaky and things that say, you know, it's clean, it's organic, it's whatever is nonsense. Um, and so I did a huge clean out of, um, and just educating myself, um, as well. So give it a, give it a whirl. Yuka, there's a free, um, and then you can also, um, like a sliding scale of what you want to contribute if you want an, a, a different, more elaborate version of it. But it's really good. Wow.
1: And I love that your daughter is using it too. It's Aspen, right? Am I remembering yeah. her name correctly? Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wow. So cool. Oh,
0: I yeah. love that. And right. I know I checked that out. That's a great sounding app and what a cool tool to integrate with mm-hmm. your family. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. It's called Yuko? Yuka. Y-U-K-A.
2: Yuka, And then another one, which we use, my daughter and I use a ton, which kind of goes hand in hand with our topics for today, um, is called Little Souls Child Wellness. It's like a meditation and mindfulness app for kids. And um, it's amazing. Um, my daughter does, there is like an interactive mindfulness box that you can get along with it. And and she listens to the yoga Nidra meditations almost every night to go to bed to the point where she can guide me in (laughs) yoga Nidra, which is pretty cool. That is so cool.
1: I love that you're introducing this. Yeah. To her, your daughter, have her on one time, maybe lead us through an actual yoga meditation, May. (laughs) Oh yeah. She's
2: She's
0: yep. amazing. <laughs> oh. All right, May. what about you? So there is an app that comes with, we talked about like our favorite gifts recently. And my favorite gift was this, um, this basically like a a bird feeder that comes with a camera on it. So my favorite app is the app that is associated with this camera in our bird feeder. I'm a huge birder and just obsessed with um, kind of recognizing the migratory patterns. Here in San Diego, we live next to a bird um, a kind of an estuary, but it's a bird sanctuary. So we have some really amazing species that come in annually and it's um, such a treat. We just got it set up. So the app is called Bird Lover, but it's actually just a camera attached to our bird feeder. So (laughs) it's very, very cool. Super nerdy and like my favorite place to send video clips and whatnot to my mom, who's very much into birding as well. So favorite app right now that I use probably more than I should is checking on which birds are at our feeder. And you can like, you know, depending (laughs) on what bird food you have in there, you can like change the bird feed for certain species that really, really enjoy, whether it's more like, um, um, sunflower seeds or little mealworms for certain, um, warbler species and stuff. So it's very cool. Oh my God. Um, You are such a dork and I love it. And I love it. (laughs) My favorite spot. Yeah. I've got Uh, Lisa send me bird pictures. So, you know, she sent me photos of birds just yesterday as I recall Lisa. So
1: I literally did. I regretted it the moment I did. I'm like, dang it, dang it. It was a blue bunting, a beautiful
0: blue bunting. It
1: it was quite beautiful. We should probably drop that in the show notes now so people can see how beautiful that bird was. But (laughs) um, for me, I downloaded Chat GPT. I'm usually always the last one to embrace technology. And May has been teasing me with all the capabilities of AI. And I finally downloaded it. And holy guacamole, it is blowing my mind. And mm-hmm. it is definitely making my life a lot easier in terms of content generation. And um, I even asked it, I just had to, I'm like, chat GPT. What is God? And it was just like, I stumped it. It literally just was spinning for a really long time. And then it came up with an answer, but I, I had a lot of fun with that over the weekend. So
0: leaning into technology, <sighs> Lisa Shields. I know. I know. It's
1: fun. Very unusual. Okay. So today we are going to be talking all things mindfulness and meditation. And before we jump into the conversation, Katie, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. I didn't tell you we were going to do this, but I thought it'd be really cool if you could lead us through a quick mindfulness or meditation practice guided even for like one minute for intention Mm -hmm. setting to have us just land into this space so that we are open and ready to allow whatever to flow, to flow through. So are you open to doing that? Yeah. Why not? I know. I know. It just came to me. So I'm like, here we go. I'm going to throw you a curtain. Yeah, let's
2: do it. No, no, that's uh, that's a a pleasure. I'm always happy to sit. (laughs) So, um, wherever the, you are listening from, um, If you're in a car, obviously do not close your eyes if you're driving, Um, but wherever you are, you're welcome to um, be seated or if you're more comfortable to lay down. Lisa, how many, how long do you want to do like three minutes?
1: I mean, whatever, whatever floats your boat. I'm really open to whatever feels right for you right now.
2: Sure. Um, so find yourself comfortable. Um, I recommend propping something under your hips and your sitting bones, whether that's sitting on a chair or popping a cushion under there, just for a little bit more stabilization and support. And give yourself a moment to arrange your body in a way that is really comfortable and able to bring a sense of relaxation. And then invite your eyes to close if you're not driving a car. And beginning to bring your awareness and your attention inward. Allow your attention to drop down into the parts of your body that are making contact with what's beneath you. So maybe the backs of your legs. your sitting bones and let your attention and your awareness just rest on those points of contact. Just noticing the supportive structure. And from that place of connection and support Bring your awareness to just noticing the breath. Just tracking the rise and the fold. Without changing anything, noticing if your breath is feeling shallow, full and deep. And as you observe the waves of breath, Drawing in and out. Noticing if anything is shifting. Perhaps your breath is becoming longer. Or slowing down. Perhaps the breath is more full. and begin to intentionally and actively elongate the breath so breathing in drawing long through the spine and expanding the rib cage the lungs and exhale through the nose emptying. And again, breathe in. A slight pause at the top of the inhalation. And breathe out, letting go. Take one more breath. Inhale. Suspend the breath for a moment. And exhale. And relax into the allowing of the breath to just flow at its own rhythm and pace. And shift back into a place of just noticing and observing what might be different in your breath and in your body and in the mind after just a few cycles of breath. And from this place, bring into your heart and your mind a quality that you'd like to cultivate, as oh, you said, Lisa, and intention. So I like to think about qualities um, and like a felt sense of being. So, as a listener, and perhaps you want to cultivate a quality of openness, of receptivity to what's going to be shared, or a beginner's mind, a curiosity. Taking a deep breath here. Exhaling with the open mouth and sealing that in. And then slowly opening your eyes and coming back into the space. Hmm. So I'm curious from you two hosts. What do
0: you notice? May, I go ahead. I'm still enjoying the peace. Thank you, Katie, for guiding us through that. What I noticed was a calming of my nervous system, certainly. As both Lisa and I came off calls and joining this podcast with you, there is a sense of calm that is very much appreciated. I think reconnecting with my breath during that. Thank you, Katie that intentional space you created, even in the guiding cadence, um, was so relaxing. And earlier today, I was in a conversation around cultivating more calm. And sometimes I think there's the distraction of theory, and then there is the embodiment and the practice of what we you know, know our bodies need or what, what are, we are here to do. And so that was just a beautiful experience of getting to embody what I was hoping for today. So thank you, Katie, so much. Lisa, how'd that feel for you?
1: Good. I, like May, I've, I've been going since early without a break and, um, I am so grateful to now be here fully present. And what came up for me during that was actually a little bit of discomfort in my solar plexus, (laughs) which there's a lot going on in my life right now. And I keep saying like, I'm, I'm good. I'm peaceful. I'm surrendered. And what I am now aware of is that there is something to investigate there because I was very present to the discomfort in my solar plexus. So thank you for that, Katie.
2: You're welcome. And for, for listeners that don't know what the solar plexus is.
1: Thank you you probably will be able to explain it more than yeah it's it's like the
2: kind of the navel point just below the navel point in the belly so it sounds like you are noticing um a lot of energy and perhaps you didn't use the word tension but a concentrated tension and activation there which is um yeah something that you can investigate further
1: yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, beautiful. thank you again. I know I threw that a, a, as a curveball unexpected and thank you for for handling it with grace. Yeah. Um, you, that was just beautiful. So um, I guess what I'd like to begin with is a little bit of background um, on how you were introduced to mindfulness and meditation and just your journey here.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Well, it started a very long time ago as a teenager. Um, I've always been, as long as I can remember, like I'm talking like seven, eight years old, around my daughter's age, um, sort of interested in in mysticism. And back then, the way that that presented was um, always asking the question, why? But why? Like, why? Why when somebody walks into the room, do I have a felt sense of, yes, I want to speak with them or no, I don't want anything to do with them. So sort of that um, unseen realm and I loved crystals as kids and was always just drawn to artwork that was mystical. Um, And so I think the, the, the curiosity has always been there. Um, and then as a teenager and at the beginning of my snowboarding career, I was living actually in Vale, Colorado. Um, and I don't remember exactly who it was or if I just saw a sign, a flyer for it, but, um, I started attending, um, Buddhist meditation, um, practices and talks and, they were every week. And that was, that was kind of my beginning introduction. And then I began to realize like, oh, this is a tool, um, that could really help and support me in my, um, in my life as an athlete. Um, and so learning, and I've kind of been down the rabbit hole ever since. Um, and it's, I would say it's been one of the most satiating, uh, entertaining and exciting journeys i've ever I've ever been on, so and I'm still in it and i'm I'm still as engaged in it as i ever was, and of course there's periods of life where um you know it's it's richer and deeper than others um but uh but yeah it's it's been i can't imagine my life without it, to be honest um, and so very grateful for all of the things that sort of lined up early in my life and um and that's yeah there was there was periods during my snowboarding career where i sustained uh, pretty terrible injuries and and the practice of mindfulness and meditation um and this connection to something bigger um when things were really out of control in my life mm. um it was extremely valuable so it's it's one that has kind of stuck with me and been an amazing ally through i mean i'm 45 now so this is we're talking Uh, 27 years of practice at this point.
0: Um,
2: so yeah, it's fun.
1: Wow. Um, it's incredible that at such a young age, you were already demonstrating, uh, propensity to question, is there something more? What else is out there? The fact that you were into crystals at that age is really, really cool. And, um, obviously just setting you up for where you are today as a spiritual guide, uh, meditation guru, I'm sure. And so um, I think what I heard that our audience probably would love to hear more about was how it has been an ally during Mm -hmm. times of chaos and helping you regain control, just given the current landscape and the speed at which life is going and, Mm -hmm. and overwhelm. Talk to us a little bit about what mindfulness is and what maybe the difference is between mindfulness and meditation? Because I think there might be an opportunity to clarify the two. I think they get uh, interchanged a lot and maybe that isn't accurate.
2: Yeah, good question. That's a great place to start. Um, So I actually, in the experience that I guided, and we can reference this, is I... um, (sighs) pendulated between mindfulness and meditation. So in short, the way in which I um, explain mindfulness is that it's the training of awareness or this ability to sit in the seat of the observer without doing anything. So we're not changing anything. We're not trying to do anything. We're just simply observing and being in this moment by moment, present awareness of how we're feeling in our body, what we're noticing in our feeling body, observing and noticing the thoughts that might be arising and noticing the environment that's surrounding us with an attitude of like interest or curiosity with a suspension of judgment. So what we did in the practice at the big, and then I guess I'll also kind of differentiate between um, meditation, meditation at its core is, um, the training or the directing or the focus of your attention in a very deliberate way. Mm. So what we did in the guided experience was at the beginning, I deliberately brought your attention and your focus to the points of contact with what's beneath you. And that is a great way to come into the present moment. So I like to think of um, training the mind to be on a particular focus as like a grounding cord, which from that place of groundedness, then we shifted into now without changing anything, bring your awareness and just notice what's happening in your breath with a curiosity. Is it shallow? Is it deep? Does it feel Mm -hmm. easeful? Does it feel labored? Does it feel right? And then we, we sat with that for a minute and then we came back to like a training or directing of the focus of attention, which was now take an intentional breath, inhale, elongate through the spine. So it's more, it's very directive and Mm -hmm. exhale. And then we went back to Now release the breath, stop the doing, and just notice what's different Mm. now. How do you feel? What are you aware of in your body? Is the breath different? Um, And so that's how I like to explain the distinction between the two. Um, And then I I guess there's one more piece of the mindfulness um, because it's often interpreted as um, like, Sort of passive, but there's two parts of it. There's a there's a receptive sort of passive part of it and an active part. So the receptive part is this cultivating a spaciousness to be with what is, that's um, non-judgmental and compassionate, and then there's an active part which is the once you recognise what is present? What is the appropriate, most skillful response to the present moment? And I think mm-hmm. that that active component actually gets lost, um, because it, because it's, it's more than just observing. And and this is what I'm like really, really passionate about, uh, in life in general. And for whatever reason, I'm remembering this, experience as a second grader, when our teacher had us stand up in front of the class, it was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, um, you know, kids are saying like, I want to be a fireman and I want to be a doctor. And I stood up and I'm like, I just want to be the best person that I can be. Um, And that's really the practice of mindfulness, right? On this ongoing of why it's kept me engaged for so long is because I'm a high achiever. Um, I'm a highly driven individual and, um, the pursuit of mastery is something, um, that is just so interesting for me, not necessarily to get somewhere different than I am right now, but to take each moment and reflect on, you know, how was that experience and, how do I feel about the way in which I showed up in that moment? And what was the impact that I had? Mm-hmm. Because I want to live a life that is, um, you know, one of a high level of awareness, one that leaves a rippling effect and impact that is leaving people and the worlds in a better place than before I arrived. So, um, Yeah. Wow is that uh, yeah i
1: am I'm gonna i'm gonna see if I can paraphrase what I heard in that, and so you can maybe correct anything and may please if you heard something different too so mindfulness I heard was being in observation right like being in the seat of awareness where you are watching observing sensing what is going on from a place Mm -hmm. of curiosity and non-judgment so being in the receptive mode Mm -hmm. whereas then meditation is learning how to actually direct that mind your focus your attention into a certain manner right Mm -hmm. and then the part that I just want to circle back on which was in the mindfulness it's not totally passive there is an active part is that where the meditation does come in or what can you just elaborate a little bit on where the the more active part yes yeah, so that
2: so so the active part is in response to what it is that you're noticing so let's say for instance this was a huge gateway um uh kind of a, a leap of i don't know um developing the skill for me. And both of you actually mentioned at the beginning, you know, things are going really fast. You've been on, you've been going all day. So there's this quality, um, of what sounds like a desire to slow down. Okay. So, um, and that's one of the first kind of steps in making an active choice to be more mindful. One, it's a choice. Mm. Um, and two, is slowing down. And in the slowing down, so let's say one of the things that I, um, was like sick of hearing myself saying, this was a long time ago, um, was, oh gosh, I just never have enough time. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I use this app Marco Polo and have for a very long time. It's like a video messaging app. That oh, we know it. We know name. it very
1: well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, yep. um,
2: and I was, what I became aware of when I was chatting with my friend Denise over that was over this period of time, I kept hearing myself say the same thing to her when we would do a check-in. Oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. Oh my gosh, I feel like I never have enough time. And it got so irritating to me that it led me to the point of, kind of calling myself out and saying, this is a number one complaint of mine in my life right now. Um, And it's annoying to me how often I'm saying it and I'm actually not doing anything about it. So Mm. like now I'm making a choice to do something about it. I no longer am willing to be in a rush. I just, it was like a choice that I made. It was like, I am so done with being in a rush and the feeling, the bodily sensation, and the feeling in my in my body and my mind of when I am in a rush, I was like, okay. So now the practice of mindfulness is to recognize mm. when I fall into that habitual pattern and interrupt it. And the active part is doing something different. So, for instance, um, this is really funny, but it was like a very It was so simple and mundane, but was extremely profound in my life was um, typically what I used to do um, a long while ago was like, wake up, get up and like start my million things on my to do list. And part of that would be showering, slathering my hair, um, uh, you know, kind of rushing through this morning routine, um, which included like slathering on and slapping on body lotion. Um, and <laughs> I was actually with a friend of mine and we were chatting and, uh, we were upstairs and she Was in my bathroom, she picked up this body lotion that I had in there and she kind of like smelled it. And she was like, Oh, this smells really good. And I was like, Yeah, it does, doesn't it? And then I watched her like put it on her hands and like really slowly, like, and then she like took a deep breath. And I'm like, Okay. N- never have i done that i'm aware of how good it smells and then she very slowly and mindfully like put this lotion on her body and i was observing and i i said i that experience looks really like pleasurable and amazing <laughs> and i want more of that in my life and so that was this turning point for me of mm. whether it was washing my hair or brushing my teeth or was just to slow down and actually be in the experience from a sensory standpoint of, you know, smell, taste, touch, um, vision and hearing um, and see really just as an experiment, see what that was like. And uh, I cannot begin to even explain how radically this moment in time changed my life from it was really where the mundane things that we do in our day to day and this sounds like cliche, it will sound however it sounds, but it was like so paramount for me was well, those mundane things like all of a sudden became magical of mm. like at the even making a coffee, it was like, no, I'm just I'm on autopilot in all these different areas of my day-to-day and I don't want to be, I feel like I'm missing life because life is made up of uh, mundane, monotonous tasks and experiences. Um, And so how can I get more pleasure out of that? And, and this was a way to do that, to slow down, pay attention um, and kind of circling back to the active piece of mindfulness is to recognize so recognize when I'm rushing or was rushing because I'm very real, it's so foreign to me now, um, is recognizing, oh, this, this is a familiar experience for me rushing. And the active piece is, okay, now that I recognize that I'm rushing, what am, how am I going to respond? Yeah. So it could just be like I'm going to just stop and take a breath. And that's the active piece of the mindful mindfulness practice. Does that make sense? Thank you
1: for that example. No, that was absolutely perfect. And, um, I loved, I loved the just act of being in the moment with the fragrance and like mm-hmm. almost even the sensuality of putting totally. it on your body. Like who needs a man when you got lotion, you know, and two hands here. So I love that. And It reminds me of a quote, because um, I am also somebody who has a propensity to rush. And I also am very hypersensitive to when people say, I don't have time, like, I can hear it. And like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's not true. But how I live my life a lot is rushing. And um, I realized that The height of my stress tends to be in the morning when I'm trying to get my children out the door. Mm -hmm. And it's just autopilot. It's like I wake up and I go straight into my habit and routine of of becoming drill sergeant. I've talked about this on the call. And one morning I woke up and I said, what is the fear underneath this? Like, what happens if my children are late? Mm -hmm. Do I even actually care? Is it worth the amount of stress and yelling and like high blood tension I'm experiencing right now? I'm like, you know what? F it. I'm, I'm not going to yell today. I'm going to actually enjoy this entire morning and be with each moment. And, and you can't even imagine what happened. We finished the routine 20 minutes earlier than we normally did. And I, sw- I shit you not, this is a true freaking story. And I was like, oh my God. So my question for you is with this mindfulness practice that you are, you know, obviously cultivating every day, and especially with like rushing or just health in general, what have been the benefits that you have seen in your own life or that you can speak to in the people you work with? How does mindfulness mm-hmm. help us?
2: Um, so there's there's a key word that you said um, which was, I think it was pleasurable.
1: <laughs> Sensual?
2: Sensual? Sensual. Yeah. Sensual. And it reminded me of an a active intention that I had at this time was like to find greater pleasure in just the moment to moment of the day. So I would say, through my own life's experience, um, it's slowing down. So time as opposed to going faster has actually slowed down and elongated. And that's also, I think turning 40 for me was a big, um, it was a shifting point because I started to think, okay, like maybe I live to 80, maybe I don't, maybe I live to 90, but I feel like I'm like, as opposed to walking up the hill, now I'm walking down the hill. And, um, how I want to be really, really intentional and, Mindful about how I'm spending time, who I'm spending time with, what I'm spending my time doing. Um, and my friends were just like, oh my gosh, if you say, like, we're going to die one more time, I'm like, but we are. Like, I don't want to go to that thing. Like, I'm going to die. And this is not how I want to spend my time. Um, uh, and so, um, presence, um, connection, more pleasure, um, a greater sense of like, peace and calm and genuine sort of enjoyment of life um and it's less it's way less chaotic um mm. and uh from feedback that I get from my friends uh, they love being around me What uh, Shaggy, I nice. mean they loved being around me before but now it's different it's like people are like I just they just feel calmer I don't know um and that has to do with, I think, um, you know, the nervous system and the way in which we co-regulate of people, right? So there's something that I discovered in my work um, with the nervous system and polyvagal theory, somatic experiencing, um, in combination with mindfulness, and that is that I realized that my baseline in my nervous system of sympathetic charge So this is like the activation in the nervous system from in utero based on my mother was my baseline was high sympathetic charge. So all I ever knew in the existence of being in a body and on this planet was my mom, go, 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 go. I, you know, she's someone that like, doesn't really sit down or stop. And so, um, as I started to do a lot more of this practice and then specifically nervous system based work and the down regulation began to happen in my nervous system and trauma resolution began to happen and healing began to happen. It's like, oh, this is what relaxed feels like. And then Mm -hmm. it would go even further down, like, oh, this is what relaxed feels like. And then this is sort of in my late 30s recognizing, wow, I've spent my whole life and I've never experienced real, like real relaxation. And this is, Mm. I'm a long time practitioner. So there's that (laughs) connection between, um, you know, what's happening in the nervous system and kind of the imprints, um, that we have from our life's experience. Um, and, um, you know, the ways in which we can actively, um, engage the process of downregulation and, and creating a new normal. So, my new normal now is, I mean, wildly different than it was as a teenager. And that has been a process um, over the years. And it's, it's funny because I'm really having this deep appreciation for uh, the length of time in which I've made deposits consistently into the practice. And it's really, really, really showing now, particularly when I'm spending time with people, working with people that are my age or 20 years older than me. And I see now kind of the, like where I'm at and my experience of life in general, comparative to people that are stepping onto this path, um, you know, later in life. And there is no perfect time. Like the time is now. So if you're listening and you're like, oh man, I'm 70. And does that mean I'm fucked? No, it doesn't. Um, now this time is as good a time as any, but I, but I do have a, um, yeah, like a, a deep gratitude to myself of like staying the course and continuing to be curious and, and continuing to engage the practice. Cause it's kind of like. You know, if you're investing money, um, if you do it for a long time consistently, you generate wealth. And that's one of the smartest ways to generate wealth. And the same is true for um, the practice of your well-being um, and mental health. And, you know, I don't know if there's another life after this. So I want to experience this life in the most fulfilling way um, and have a vast tool bag, um, and skills to navigate what it means to be human, which is, you know, there's good days and bad days and, um, life will stretch us. So yeah, yeah. I want to do it in style, baby.
1: (laughs) I think it's so important that you just touched on the, you know, it is like making a deposit in a bank. You don't just put in one quarter and then expect to be wealthy. It is a continuous practice. Just like if we're trying to get into physical shape, we don't go to the gym and do two reps and then expect to see results tomorrow. And um, my, my journey with meditation and mindfulness actually began back in 2019. And at the time, very, very addicted to doing, could not sit down, didn't realize that I was absolutely like so anxious, right? I like to portray that I was super mellow and laid back, but my hands used to just tremble all the time. And I would say, Oh, it's just because I'm drinking too much coffee to go, 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 go. So I knew I kept getting whispers like meditation, meditation. And every time I would hear successful people pointing to meditation, I'd be like, okay, I need to meditate. And I would sit down and Katie, I would, I would literally be there for like a minute. And it was as if ants were crawling on my body and I could not stay still, all I could think about was my to-do list and my to-do list and my to-do list. So I think a lot of people who are high achievers might encounter this same dilemma. How would Mm -hmm. you coach them through this?
2: Um, first of all, that's so normal. And I want to normalize that because like way back in the beginning, that, that was my experience actually for a long time. And, um, And it was so uncomfortable. And so, you know, I would read about the uh, benefits of meditation (laughs) and it's like, you know, the benefits of like um, decreased stress levels and lowering of anxiety and uh, peace and calm and, I was not having that experience. I was having an experience where my heart rate is increased. I'm feeling a higher level of anxiety. I'm a high level of agitation. And I remember actually being in veil in these classes and I would be like, Oh God, that person breathing next to me is so annoying. Why are they breathing so loud? And just being so, you know, that was really a distraction from me feeling what was happening in me. And I think that um, you know, it's super normal. Um, and there is a, there is a, um, I felt like in many ways, the way in which meditation was introduced to me and what I've read about it set me up to fail because I had an Mm. expectation that the goal was to close my eyes and still my mind. And that, that is a impossible task That, that just, it doesn't happen. Um, there's spaciousness that opens up, but so a lot of my agitation and irritation and frustration came from feeling like I was failing every time I tried to do it. And I mean, I'm, because I am a high achiever and I was like on this mission to conquer what it means to meditate. I was going to ashrams and doing immersions and long 10 day silent meditations and, um, And it wasn't until, um, I met a teacher and he sort of expanded my understanding of what it is, gave me permission to just be where I was and then gave me some other doorways to walk through. So there's so many different types of meditation and Mm. I didn't realize that in the beginning. I thought it was this one way that I was being taught which was essentially close your eyes and stop thinking um, and um, and maybe that wasn't what was being taught but that's what I was hearing in the place in which I was and and so uh, a game changer for me at that time was this introduction to um, what's called instinctive meditation and in this teacher said, uh, what's something that you love to do? Cause I was like, I can't do meditation. I'm a failure. It doesn't work for me. I'm too active. My mind's too active. And he said, what's, you know, tell me something you love to do. And I said, I, well, I love surfing. Um, and he said, okay, what is it that you love about surfing? Is it, Paddling out? Is it duck diving? Is it taking off on the wave? Is it paddling for the wave? Is it jumping off your board at the end of the world? Like, what is it? And I was like, that's actually an interesting question that I had never contemplated or reflected on. Um, and I said, to my surprise, um, it's was the feeling of duck diving, of pushing my board under the water, being completely encapsulated in the water and feeling the power of the wave go over me and then popping out the other side and particularly surfing in, um, uh, tropical places in a bikini it's like, oh, is like, it's the best. Um, and feeling the sun on my skin. And he was like, great. So sit down and close your eyes and take yourself through that experience slowly over and over and over again and feel your, hands pushing down on the board and feel the breath coming into your body as you inhale and hold your breath. And I did that and he dings the bell and I am like a full puddle. And I was oh. like, oh my gosh, i I was in full on bliss land. And he's like, yeah, so that's another gateway in that oh. works for you. Um, and so something that I would say to listeners that have tried a type of meditation and it didn't work, try a different type of meditation because there's so many there's remember meditation is the training of your attention Mm -hmm. on a focal point. So a focal point could be a breath meditation. It could be a body-based meditation. It could be a walking meditation for people with active minds. Yeah. Walking meditation is great and it's super simple your attention is on your feet and the heel and the sole of the foot moving across the ground and then going to the other side. And the practice of meditation is whatever your anchor point is, when you notice your mind has wandered, which it will, that is guaranteed and you haven't Mm. failed when your mind wanders. When it does wander, you notice through the practice of mindfulness – Oh, my mind has wandered. And then the practice of meditation. Now I'm going to bring it back to the anchor. I'm going to bring it back to noticing the breath coming in and out of my nostrils or noticing um, my foot striking the ground or noticing the sun on my skin. Like that could be a meditation. I'm just going to sit with how the feeling of the sun on my forehead is. And when my mind wanders, I'm going to be aware of it and I'm going to bring it back. So, mm. and much like, um, it's funny. I, always, I kind of joke about this because people, I love, um, introducing people to these practices that I have never done them before. It's like, yeah, we're going on our first date. And like, I really want to like date again, you know? <laughs> um, and, and if you go to a teacher or you listen to an app or, you know, you do a guided meditation or whatnot, and, uh, really think of it as you're going on a date. And if you don't like it, if you don't resonate with the person, if you don't resonate with that type of practice, don't say I'm never dating again. This was, this sucked. You're like, I'm going to go on another date with somebody else in a different style of practice. Because even people that teach the same style, it's, there's people you resonate with and people you don't. And I, I see that all too often um, with mindfulness meditation, yoga, breath work, people will be like, oh, yeah, I tried that and I hated it. It's like, well, mm-hmm. if you, I ask more questions, what was it about it? So oftentimes it will be like they didn't actually like the guide or they didn't yeah. like the style. I'm like, okay, well, want to go on a date?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, Katie. let me yes,
1: pop your meditation
0: <laughs> cherry. Hard yes from Lisa. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, I was hitting on Katie before the podcast started as my first girl crush. Yes. I would definitely like to go yeah. on a date, Katie. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. Oh. Um, um, no, what a great, what a great metaphor analogy about, um, you know, finding your healthy dose, right. Finding what is right for mm-hmm. you and not just doing what mainstream is doing. And when it doesn't work, just saying, I'm done with it, right? Like mm-hmm. I think number 1 knowing the benefits of meditation which you so beautifully articulated, right? What are people going to get out of this presence, pleasure, peace of mind, a reduction in anxiety and I don't know and stress. And I don't know anybody, anybody who's not looking for that right now. And I'm making a blanket statement, but um I coach a lot of people and I feel like this is the number one issue is this feeling of overwhelm, whether it's I'm worried about the future or I'm looking back at the past in regret, anger, frustration. And what I love that you talked about is how mindfulness and mainly mindfulness allows you to come into this now moment. Mm-hmm. And then the meditation, which can look like for me, it's pickleball honestly pickleball is where I am most in control of my focus and in that present moment. And I think just reshaping what meditation and mindfulness is today for people. And I, I love this conversation, may I don't know if you have anything to add. I know I've been kind of,
0: it's been absolutely folding. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I love this yeah. stuff. Sorry. Do
1: you, and, and Lisa
0: speaking to kind of like the intention of these conversations that we're making possible, Katie, like coming in perfectly to, to speak about um, kind of unlocking your richness in your life by being able to lean into these spaces. And from such a high performer uh, perspective, I think it's it's fascinating to learn what what you've articulated so well as this approachability that's universally available Um, and even with your goal of unlocking, you know, the best version of yourself, I, I, I hope that, you know, our audience, our listeners, our community at Organifi is, um, served just by this perspective to say, how can we, how can we become the best version of ourselves and make healthy, enjoyable, and easy? Um, and, and I, I do believe there is, there is so much wisdom in, as you spoke about mindfulness, um, in the ability to have a skillful response, this self-awareness that allows us to lean in and find the path that is resonant with us—that um, feels like something that we can enjoy our journey of transformation. And I, mm-hmm. the question that I had, kind of um, pending for you is: I'm so curious how you've adapted your um, your ability to. Uh, use mindfulness and meditation over the years, you know, you've been practicing for, for so many years now. I think I'd love to, to um, have you share some of the wisdom and your ability to adapt this practice, you know, how, Mm -hmm. how did it start out? And you spoke to some of that, but maybe Mm -hmm. most recently, like, what does it look like today for you?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in the beginning, um, snowboarding, and remember, meditation is the training of attention, right? So, my snowboarding career really offered me <laughs> this intense training in that, specifically around fear. So, you know, each day when I was on the hill, whether it was in the half pipe or the park, learning a new trick or hitting a new jump, a big jump for the first time, or on a photo shoot, dropping a cliff or whatnot fear would arise because that is a natural part of life. This is something that as human beings, we experience many times a day. And for some people they're in a constant state of fear, right? So it's, it's the, the ability to recognize this, is what I learned um, myself snowboarding is like, Oh, the fear is going to come. So don't get annoyed when the fear comes because it's Mm. just a part of the process. But when the fear comes, reorient my attention to the training that I've done, the skills I've developed, the confidence that I have in my body, um, the confidence that I have in my instinct and my intuition. And so in many ways, whilst that isn't a traditional meditation, you know, in the way in which most people think of it of sitting on a cushion with your eyes closed, that was a like I got a PhD in meditation. And, um, and I think that that is something that we can practice moment to moment, day to day with fear itself or anything. It could be, you know, rushing or whatnot. Um, and then the other thing that was really interesting, uh, which kind of in a way I was really shocked by, because when I retired from snowboarding, I really was on this, um, mission to find a sustainable way for me to experience the exhilaration and the adrenaline rush uh, that I got from snowboarding, really that I was addicted to, um, without having to throw myself off big jumps and like break my body. <laughs> Slightly less dangerously. And yeah. And, um, and the, the answer Which is kind of just really, I think it's really funny. It's like the answer to that and the remedy that I got is sitting on a cushion with my eyes closed, going in. It's so like, "Ah!" it's amazing, Um, and I, I think that that's so cool because it's so the opposite of you know what how I used to of what I used to do to kind of get that high. Now it's like I just get high from, like, going nowhere (laughs) and and closing my eyes. Um, And it's free. Um, Hmm. And sort of, and so I I think that it's important to kind of note kind of the beginning stages. And now, um, you know, what what has been so freeing for me, and I got this early on, um, was taking off the label of good and bad and right and wrong in terms of my experience and what I'm feeling. And and that is that suspension of judgment, right? So it's like, l- let's give an example. A couple of weeks ago, I hadn't slept. I was super exhausted. It was a pretty stressful week. It was my daughter's birthday week. Um, and it was the morning of her birthday party. And um, she likes to move very slowly in the mornings particularly. And I'm like, okay, we're on a timer. We got to, and I very, very rarely like, I don't know, raise my voice at her or, and I, and I just had a moment where I was just like, we need to go. And because it happens so rarely, like the look on her face was one of sheer shock and terror And then she like burst into tears Mm -hmm. and a, a natural place for us to go as human beings. And myself is, Oh my gosh, how could I do that? I'm such a horrible mother. I'm such a, and it's like, okay, let me suspend all of that and take off the, I'm a bad person and I'm a bad mother and I'm a failure and all of that. And just come back to like, that was a moment where I definitely was not my best self. Mm-hmm. And let me be with, a uh, um, kind of that compassionate loving kindness with myself of like, and it makes sense. Like I haven't slept in a few mm-hmm. days. And so there's this softening and an expansion that happens. And then in that, which all happened within a few moments, um, There was a response, a felt sense of response in my daughter, and she softened, and then she Mm. came over and gave me a hug and was like, "I'm sorry, Mama," like, "Let's get this party started," and like we laughed, and then, and that all happened within like I would say a minute and a half, Um, and and so I think that that's also something to note is what's changed and shifted over the process of 27 years of being in this inquiry investigation and practice is when the shit hits the fan or when something happens, the time in which it takes me to return Mm. is so much shorter than, you know, my daughter's only eight, but I imagine 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, um, the, that could have thrown me off for an entire day of rumination and being stuck in the inner critic and like beating myself up and holding myself to this like perfectionistic level of unattainability, which is causing my own suffering. So the returning back is like really, really has that, that has decreased.
0: And, and I think so valuable to look at that place, you know, in our, thank you for sharing these stories bring, um, bring to life the lessons that you are sharing here. So, so helpful. And I, I even want to unpack that a little bit more in that Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like, um, there's there's this intersection that you're hitting. It's a kind of a Y, a fork in the road. And on one hand, there's probably exaggerated collateral damage that could happen, and it's equivalent to like the example I, I think about in our space would be, oftentimes our community is working on diet and nutrition, and you know they don't eat perfectly for the day, which by the way happens all the time. <laughs> you know our our new normal is the thing that really creates the the lasting results. And so as you spoke about that new baseline that we're actually always trying to achieve, but you know many of us myself included often get stuck in the pattern of having these illogical um, uh, kind of um, unrealistic expectations of ourselves that we in fact hold ourselves so uh, tightly to, and regardless of the fact that we certainly will you know not be perfect. It's definitely going to happen when when you know maybe we miss we eat imperfectly in a meal the the collateral damage might be then deciding because we are beating ourselves up, deciding to eat a whole bag of cookies as, as the uh, collateral damage, um, the after effect. And so what you're speaking to, I think so perfectly is just being able to, with grace and with um, nod judgment and compassion, just stay on track in so many ways, recognizing that we won't be perfect, but being able to be in that spot and recover quickly. And like what you unlocked with your daughter was actually this special moment that you know in the past maybe wouldn't have you have been possible because you would have actually been in your own head potentially and still you know thinking about mm-hmm. the the mistake right
2: mhm yeah and which which turned into and this is what i love about this path and the practice is it's like a zip file it's a zip fi- it's a file that opens to another file that opens to another file a door that opens to another door that opens to another door when you're willing to engage the practice so when we were driving from here To where her party was held, um, it opened up this conversation for me to share with her, like, I'm not perfect and that's okay. And you're not perfect and that's okay. And this is like, when we make a mess, which we will, we can clean it up. And in that is a deepening that becomes accessible. Um, and I That's just, and matter. that yeah, you mentioned um, the, like, kind of the richness that becomes available. And that really is what this practice is, is it's enriching. Um, and there is a deep, like, satisfying, fulfilling richness of when I'm thinking about the practice itself, and how I feel internally, um, you know, from years ago is like, like my cells feel satiated and like happy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, who doesn't want more of that? So that's what.
0: I want more of that. That sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) You you talked about and kind of the qualities that you've been able to cultivate and even in in the practice of mindfulness, identifying the kind of the area you want to lean into or create more of. And it, it seems like so beautifully being able to with that, intention or awareness, then go find the very approachable way to make it possible. The the lotion example was like, oh, it's right in front of me. Like with my clarity in slowing down, now I see ways of doing that everywhere, Um, which Mm -hmm. is, I think, so important to capitalize on or, or for even me to hear, but listeners to hear that like, once you have that clarity, it is also immediately in front of you in so many ways, whether it's small or big. And so like just recognizing this is, in my mind, this is transformation, in its infinite um, approachability and uh, just closeness in our everyday lives, right? It's actually in our everyday habits that it's available. And I'm curious, Mm -hmm. Katie, I I think I'm interested to understand if you have any like filters, you you talked about, you know, how you had had listened to the the kind of limiting beliefs you maybe were speaking into, I have no time, you know, and kind of the Mm -hmm. internal dialogue that was coming up that was giving you awareness of an area that you wanted to lean into and make transformation. And mm-hmm. do you have any, any, um, uh, kind of, uh, t- I don't want to say tips or tactics, but do you have any, <laughs> any, um, s- mm-hmm. supportive, uh, guidance for people that are looking to derive the listening more or the filters that you may use for, mm-hmm. for seeing the areas for transformation, whether it's the tensions you're leaning into, uh, or, yeah. where would you recommend?
2: Um, okay. There's a couple, a few things that I want to speak to you, um, in this and, um, First, I want to preface that a willingness to sort of step onto this path it is it is an act of courage, because when we choose to slow down, we begin to feel more. And oftentimes, if we're someone that has been busying ourselves and distracting ourselves with all of the millions of to dos, when we slow down, there is likely to be feelings that unconsciously or subconsciously you've been pushing aside, um, that are not going to feel lovely. And that's where the suspending of the good, bad, right, wrong is, oh, let's say I start to slow down and I'm noticing like a tightness in my chest or Lisa, you mentioned like a tightness in the solar plexus. Let me just be with that for a moment and see, is it deep? Is it, whatever it is. Um, and then, oh, there's a feeling that's coming in now, which might be like a fear. Ooh, this doesn't feel good. And then continuing kind of down the rabbit hole, who knows what's at the bottom of it? It could be a fear of failure, which links back to some kid time you were in third grade and you failed and a teacher told you you were a failure or who knows. But I think the it's really important to know it is a courageous path because we all have, unless we've been brought up in a, a family and an environment or introduced to a path uh, like this at a very young age, we all have learned to just sweep stuff under the rug and like, you know, keep calm and carry on that kind of whole societal mentality, which is like, and for, for anyone that's willing to take a peek under the rug. Like, and that's where it starts. It's just like, I'm just going to lift up the corner. You don't even actually have to do anything, but just recognize like, Oh yeah, there's some things under there. Um, and I'm not going to do anything about it, but I'm just going to actually acknowledge that they're under there. And of course we have choice, right? So, um, I had this amazing, um, uh, conversation with my mom. Uh, this was like in, uh, it was nineteen ninety. It was two thousand and seven, I think. Nineteen ninety seven or two thousand and seven. I can't remember. <laughs> um, and and you know, I had kind of been like telling, saying to my mom, "I feel like I make you uncomfortable." It was two thousand and seven. That's right. Um, and she, had, for years, had said, "What are you talking about? No, you don't." And I'm like, "No, I feel like like you literally get agitated when I like." Come into your, the room, even if I'm not doing anything, and she she just kept essentially denying my experience. And then this one night, um we were in LA and uh we were visiting my sister who used to live up there, and we were sharing a bedroom. And we we're going to bed, and I I asked her again, and she'd had a few glasses of wine, and she was like, "Well, yeah, you, you do make me uncomfortable." And I was like, <laughs> "Tell me more about that, mom." And she's like, "I don't know. It's like..." The things that you do in your life and what you're into and all your things, it just, I don't know, it just forces me to look at things that I don't want to look at. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, this is a liberating moment. One, because I'm being validated in my experience, which has been denied for so long. Um, And two, you're acknowledging what's there for you and you're empowering yourself in choice that you know that there's stuff under the rug for you in your life and you don't want to look at it. And I can respect that. And so that was like this really beautiful moment in our relationship, Mm. um, which she probably can't even remember. But for me, it was, (laughs) it was really like, okay, because before you were saying there's nothing under the rug and we've all got stuff under the rug. It's just whether or not we want to choose to, um, to look at it. Um, and that's sort of what my life is dedicated to is anybody in any capacity, whether it's just, they want to dip a toe in or they want to like, you know, do a, like run and do what my daughter would call, like, I'm going to go full maniac. And she like pulls her pants down and jumps in the pool. Um, is, uh, no, you know, the things that I offer are for, for that whole range of curiosity. Uh, but coming back to the, the question around, um, you know, leaning in something that I, there's a couple of suggestions. One is what I mentioned in, um, the guided experience at the beginning, which was like, what is the, what's the quality that you want to cultivate? I love that as opposed to something outside of yourself. Like Mm -hmm. I want to have a big house. It's like, no, I want to cultivate more calm or I want to cultivate a greater sense of connection or whatnot. So identifying a quality Um, And then looking at the ways in your life that already are happening that foster that and then looking at the ways in your life that are happening already that diminish that. And super simple uh, mindfulness practice would be increase the things that are fostering it and decrease the things that are not fostering it. And things, I mean um, people, pastime, places and activities, that type of thing. Um, another sort of gateway in um, which I shared earlier, which was recognizing the complaint that I had, uh, because complaints in the way in which I um, relate to things we're complaining about are places in life that I'm where there's a resist, there's a quality of resistance and if you think about the quality of resistance or if you bring to mind someone in your life that exemplifies the quality of resistance what what comes to mind what do you notice even in your body like i just immediately feel drained Tightness, like being yeah. around people that are fucking resistant is literally the most exhausting thing on the planet yeah because there's a inhibiting of the flow of life essentially mm-hmm. And that requires energy. So for me, this is something I do a regular check in on is like, what is it that I'm complaining about in my life? Because there's resistance there, and that's a gateway in. Um, and resistance is a natural part of life. So um, you mentioned, you know, we're kind of all cruising along on autopilot um, and in the flow of life, let's say. Um, and something externally, a change or a challenge will arise, or we can choose to make a change or challenge ourselves. Right. So it can be internal or external. Um, and there's always going to be changes and challenges that arise in life because that's life. It's never just going to be the kind of this one note. Um, but when it does, the natural progression of experience when there's an interruption to whether it's chosen or given is resistance. Resistance is a natural part of life. And so something that I became kind of obsessed with a long time ago is It's not that I'm not going to experience resistance, but when I do experience resistance, how can I, one, be aware of it and, two, move through it in a really integrated way to come to the other side of resistance, which is um, chaos. Because we're creating a new groove or a new experience of life, right? So it's going to feel... um, uh, there's going to be a quality of uncertainty. It's going to feel like really unfamiliar. It might bring up fears. And in that chaos, if I know that chaos also is a natural part of this process of transformation, on the other side of chaos is integration and this kind of settling into a new way of being. And then on the other side of the integration is Now I'm showing up in the world. I'm experiencing the world differently because I am different. Does that make sense? And so, um, you know, if people want to choose, um, or look at, they could look at, okay, where is a place in my life that my normal quote unquote, or my regular flow is being changed or challenged. So it could be the ending of a relationship, the end of a job. It could be, you get in a car accident. It could be you stub your toe. I mean, it really could be small or big. Um, and then where am I in the process of transformation of that happening? Like if I've stubbed my toe and I'm still complaining about it at the end of the day, that exemplifies resistance. I haven't accepted the fact that I've stubbed my toe or broken my leg or whatever. Um, or, is there a place that I want to actively engage a change, which is going to be challenging, Mm. right? So that the example I gave earlier was I recognized I was sick of hearing myself complain about never having enough time. So I'm actively going to make a change, which is to slow down. And I'm going to hold myself accountable to slowing down, which means I'm going to enroll the people in my life, including my daughter, um, and my closest friends, if you notice me rushing, like literally please throat punch me or you know, very <laughs> lovingly say, Hey, you're doing that <laughs> thing again where you're like, uh, rushing. Um, and, and my, my kiddo is, is she's like the, the she's so great at giving feedback because she'll be like, mom, <laughs> uh, and, and that helped right? Interrupt the pattern and then cultivate and create a new normal. And of course, what did happen, um, when I, um, was in the process of making this like huge lifestyle change was the, um, the kind of bouncing between the resistance and the chaos looks like me feeling very comfortable in rushing because that's what I always knew. And then the discomfort of, Okay, but wait, there's all this space, and this feels uncomfortable because now it's creating an openness for me to feel things that maybe I haven't mm. been aware were there, or maybe I haven't wanted to feel, or, you know, so there's layers. And then, and now it's like, I can't imagine life without the spaciousness, and mm. the waves that come up. It's like, well, here oh. we are. Great. <laughs> Um, and then one last thing is, um, this was a big shift that happened for me too, was, um, in 2020, when we all experienced this pandemic and were forced into a spaciousness, um, was I, um, gratefully and very thankfully had like this really incredible experience in 2020 and, um, I was aware these sort of months into the pandemic and I was like, this is amazing. I just get to sit (laughs) for hours and like not be interrupted and I'll have to leave my house. Um, And I, there was grief that, that came up that was like old, old childhood grief. And it was kind of over a period of sort of three weeks. Um, And it was stuff that I had actively tried to get in touch with through therapy over the past 30 years. Um, and I couldn't get into it. And so it was this extended period of spaciousness and quiet and sitting and allowing that got me in touch with it. And I realized, um, in the experience of it all was this like beauty and awe of like, Oh wow, this is great. This is deep deep, deep grief. And it was so, my relationship to it was, it just was different because I'm like, this is so fucking beautiful. I'm experiencing this like intense grief that had just been stored, waiting for its moment to shine, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And so our relationship to sort of all of the facets of feelings and emotions can be beautiful like one isn't better than the other like oh happiness yay that's rated 100 out of 100 and grief is right oh no grief no you know it's like no it's all beautiful and that's Mm -hmm. kind of embracing what it means to be human so oh my gosh Katie, so good. That, was, that was a long no. read.
0: No, but and I think so helpful to talk about, you know, pulling back the the rug, let's say, but like mm-hmm. the ability to also recognize where there might be bumps and how to start looking for that. Just that that filter is so helpful, or that kind of perspective, and then what that spaciousness mm-hmm. too has the ability to unlock, as you mentioned, um, or mm-hmm. access in. I still think it's the word like richness or depth of your living experience, which. Gosh, I mean I I can't imagine not wanting more of that as we go through mm-hmm. this life. So just the the way in which to get there um uh thank you for offering just the the uh, multitude of of kind of uh available paths to that, I would say.
1: Yeah and for people who want more because i know i could probably talk to you uh forever um and just noticing the time here where can people follow you learn more about what you have going on in your life programs all that good stuff
2: um there's so much exciting stuff happening <laughs> um really really fun exciting stuff um you can go to my website which is katiebrower.com. it's that's one spot and then we'll um, and show notes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and um, we're in the midst of a b- big launch and a revelation of um, what's called the Seven Institute, um, which is oh. essentially an educational epicenter empowering people towards greater personal fulfillment and happiness and a more meaningful existence. Um, and so we'll have courses, programs, live online, um, in person. Um, Mm. and then kind of, this is the first time I'm speaking publicly about this, um, uh, kind of new, um, not new, but new, um, it's an amalgamation of 27 years of, uh, you know, the best, most breakthrough, pivotal practices, um, inquiries, insights, reflections, um, from my life, which is an immersive experience. It's a transformative week-long residential personal development immersion called the six plus one experience. So hold on to your hats, people, because that's all going to be uh, revealed to the public. But if people just go to my website they and get connected, they will be on the list to uh, receive all the good juju. It's coming in hot and heavy.
0: So. Oh. That sounds incredible, Katie. Gosh, yeah. thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you for being
1: here and just sharing your energy and your heart and your love and your freaking sense of humor. I'm really looking forward to throat punching May. I'm going to be a throat puncher anytime you want. I was like, oh, I love that. Let me know what you're working on. I'll throat yeah. punch you anytime. Yeah,
2: know. You know, the, sometimes the Best friends too. in life. Yeah. yeah, sometimes the gentle tap is like not enough. Uh, sometimes, No, you
1: just no I it. always just go right for the jugular with May. She knows yeah. it, my, my work <laughs> wife. But um, yeah, Katie, you're just a joy. And thank you for the impact that you have had on the planet so far. And it sounds like there is so much more to come. We're here to support you in any way. May, we're going on a retreat. I'm really excited for it. And um, thank you from the bottom yeah, of our hearts.
2: You're Thanks, ladies. Pleasure.
0: Wow. So hopefully Katie's shared experience into meditation and mindfulness felt approachable, felt inviting. Um, I certainly was inspired by this conversation and so much of the origin of Organifi and this mission that our team is on starts with mindset and starts with the, the approach to healthy living and wellness. So if you are ready to take the next step and elevate your state of health, check out katiebrower.com. Check out the program she's got coming up. It sounds incredible. And in the meantime, visit organifi.com slash YHD using the code YHD at checkout for 20% off superfoods and adaptogenic blends to support your state of wellness and support ease into mindfulness and meditation. Katie and Lisa, thanks for the conversation today. We hope uh, the audience, you enjoyed this. If you did, please leave us a comment in any of your listening platforms that you're listening to. Follow and subscribe to this podcast and we thank you as our listeners.